The scripture I'm going to use is not the one that's in the bulletin. It is actually, I'm just going to stay with the text of the Beatitudes. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read the first four verses. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor, the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This morning we are looking at the second of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Feelings and emotions are an interesting thing, and for any of you who don't want to look at your feelings or emotions, you can be dismissed right now. The congregation left. Because that's what this morning's text is about. And when I was thinking about mourning and grief, I realized that there is somebody in our nation who did an amazing job of showing America how to mourn. And that was at the death of John F. Kennedy. Many of us were quite young at the time. But when John F. Kennedy passed away, First Lady Jackie Kennedy understood that not only was she in shock and grief, and her family was, but she knew that an entire nation was grieving. And so Jackie Kennedy meticulously made sure that our nation was able to grieve and mourn the death of a beloved president. From the clothes she wore to the way in which she had her children presented, and we remember the images of her walking at the funeral procession, or, of course, the uh, time in which little her son, John John, stood there and saluted as the casket went by. We understood as a nation that something terrible had happened. And when something bad happens, we can't just bury our heads in the sand and act as if nothing happened. We need to deal with our emotions. We're looking at the Beatitudes. Why are they called the Beatitudes? Well, the word blessed has a Latin word, or a Greek word, makarios, which means God's happiness. But the word blessed in Latin is beatitudo. And therefore, we get from the Latin the word Beatitudes. It's literally just a transliteration of this idea of God's happiness or God's blessedness. Fifty times in the Gospels, Jesus talks about God wanting us to be happy, but the kind of happiness that Jesus talks about is not the kind of happiness that we so often talk about or pursue in our life, which is a very superficial happiness that is completely circumstantial. The happiness Jesus describes is different than worldly happiness because we think of feelings, well, Jesus describes happiness that transcends our feelings. To get to the point where even in the midst of difficult things, we can be called blessed or happy. That's why this morning's text is so interesting because people would not normally put together grief and happiness, but Jesus does. Yes, in the second beatitude, in the second of Jesus' nine teachings of how to find true happiness and fulfillment in life, Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Patheo is the Greek word. It means to grieve 
or as we translate it, mourn. Happiness in grief makes no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. Nobody goes through something and has something awful happen and say, oh, I'm happy. So it's going beyond our feelings that Jesus is talking about. It's a depth of how we can live and how our life can be transformed. And that's why we think of God-given happiness. Some call it joy. It's the depth in our life of being able to handle everything that life has to offer us. Jesus' promise is for happiness, includes mourning, and therefore Jesus is clearly saying that mourning is also a source of happiness. Mourning, being able to come to terms with our feelings and the stuff that's tough in our life is part of being able to find joy the way that God wants us to live. You see, our feelings matter. Our feelings matter, but they don't need to control us. Your feelings are important. How you feel about something or what you're going through at a particular moment or I am is very important. It's totally important, and we're going to be talking about that more in the text. But it does not need to completely dominate or stop us in our tracks and keep us from living. Science helps us understand Jesus' teaching. Because today, science now contrasts feelings from emotions. And I hope I don't confuse you with this. I have looked at this for a number of years and thought about the difference. And I hope this morning we can have an honest conversation about the difference between our feelings and our emotions. To put it one way, emotions are God-created. They're part of who we are. We just have emotions. We don't control them. We don't stop them. They are just there. Our feelings, however, are learned. They're conditioned according to past experiences. We sometimes call this nurture versus nature. Nurture is our feelings, while nature is our emotions. So let me try to illustrate this. Imagine you go to a zoo and you see a lion in a cage. You can be standing there with five people, and all five people will have different feelings. One person may have curiosity. They may feel curious about it because they were raised in a home in which Everything needed to be studied, and everything needed to be examined. The next person might have a feeling of terror. Maybe as a child, they knew a dog that lived next door, and they used to keep the dog in the kennel, and they stuck their hand in the kennel one time, and they got bit. So all of a sudden, that person is standing there having completely different feelings than what the first person is having. There may be a third person whose feelings are bitterness. Is there a person who has spent so much of their time and their life in a particular cause because they care so deeply about animals and wildlife and maybe they've joined an a organization to save the wildlife and they are absolutely just feeling the feelings of how dare somebody cage up that animal. Three people, five people, ten people, everyone with different feelings, all conditioned upon past experiences. Feelings come from positive and negative triggers in our life. And if you look at your life, let's be honest, folks, that's true with every single one of us. 
That's why you can have times in your life or in my life when we just perceive things completely different than someone else. Those are our feelings. All have to do with nurture. All have to do with past experiences. All have to do with what we're perceiving at the moment. In contrast to that, we have four God-given emotions. Now, here's where science does differ. Some say four, some say five, some say seven. Doesn't really matter. We're going to go with the four. Happy, mourning or grief, fear, and anger. Four emotions. Four things that God has built into our life, put as a natural part of who we are. Now let's go back to our lion story. Remember last time we saw our lion, that lion was caged, and everybody had different feelings about it. Now I want you to imagine that same lion, only now the lion got out of the cage and is walking across the yard, and we're standing in front of the lion. Now our feelings do not come into play. Our God-given emotions come into play. And remember, one of our our emotions is fear. Well, at that moment, unless we're nuts, we could be crazy. But as long as we're not crazy, that emotion of fear kicks in. A caged lion versus walking towards one provokes the emotion of fear. And what Jesus wants us to understand is there are things that we need to do with all of our feelings. Do you know how many feelings, in contrast to four basic emotions, do you know what science tells us about how many feelings they have documented? Over 5,000. They say no single person has ever been able to identify more than 500 of their feelings. So there's some homework for you to do this next week. Figure out your other 4,500 feelings, and you'll be better in touch with who you are as an individual. But the point is really deeper than that. The point is there is stuff that is natural, and that's what Jesus talks about. This is not about the things in our life that are provoked by some past experience, For those kind of things, we need to, if we're having trouble with our feelings and coming to terms with our feelings, we need to counsel. We need to talk to somebody. We need to learn to pray. We need to learn to transform how we think about things. But with our emotions, our emotions are just there. They're part of life. And therein lies part of the problem. People try to somehow deny their emotions, and in reality, emotions are from God. God gave them to you. They're an important part of your life. If you didn't have these emotions, you wouldn't be able to have healing in your life. If you didn't have these emotions, you and I, we wouldn't be able to live life to the fullest. And so that's why in this beatitude that can sound so strange to our ears, Jesus not only is right, but modern science agrees with him. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We need to be able to experience emotions like mourning, like Jackie Kennedy took America through at the death of a president. God wants us to mourn because this emotion is necessary. The idea of mourning is used in the New Testament very often with the word weeping. See, it doesn't really matter how we mourn or how we grieve. Those can be particular. Those can be contextual. We'll go to different cultures and discover that in one culture people will mourn one way and in another culture they'll mourn differently. And so some of that can be conditional about our environment, but we all need it. 
You see, loss leads to mourning because of love. If there is no mourning in your life, if there's nothing that you've ever felt awful about, you haven't loved anybody, folks. Because as soon as you and I love somebody, it's hard to lose a person. I always think of C.S. Lewis who said that at the time of the death of his wife, everybody wanted to make him feel better by saying, oh, you'll see joy again in heaven. And he said, I didn't need to see joy in heaven. I wanted joy right beside me, sitting in church or driving down the road. And so Jesus says, we need to come to terms with these things. This beatitude is affirming all of our God-given emotions. And if we are right that our emotions are happy and mourning or grief, fear and anger, it also helps explain to us, because not just about mourning, but all of our emotions, it helps us understand the story of Jesus with the money changers in the temple, doesn't it? Jesus sees something that's wrong. He walks in and he doesn't like the way the temple is being used and the way in which these money changers are favoring some people and not favoring others and giving favorite spots to particular people so they can make more money. And so what does Jesus do? Come on, folks. He gets what? Angry. It provokes an emotion. This isn't conditioned by some past experience that Jesus had where Joseph was swindled someday when he went to the store or sometime, something that his parents had talked to him about. This was a pure, raw emotion from our Savior demonstrating to us that anger is not a bad thing. There's times to be angry. Even the book of Ecclesiastes is a time to laugh, a time to cry, times to weep. Time to sow. Time to be angry. We mess ourselves up when we don't accept how God made us. See, Jesus doesn't make you run away from being a person. He wants you to embrace being a person. If we're going to have spiritual growth in our life, we shouldn't be going through life saying, you know, I'm a perfect Christian. I never get angry. Well, that's too bad. Jesus got angry. When my loved ones die, I'm fine with it. I just know they're going to be in heaven. Well, Jesus cried when Lazarus died. He mourned and he had grief. Getting the point? Emotions aren't bad. Somehow we as Americans forget the fact that these emotions are from God. And when properly understood and experienced in our life, they become very powerful and healthy. And that's why our emotions need to be accepted. Don't feel embarrassed over things that happen in your life. Don't feel as if you're somehow less than because you express your emotions different than someone else. Because remember, again, this is just one of the emotions. Jesus could have done it with any of them. He chose grief at this point. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who really grieve, Jesus says, for they will be comforted. We are in recovery month, and so I'm certainly wanting to not only share some things that are helpful to anybody who's in recovery, but help us all to understand a little bit about addiction and recovery. To understand addiction, one of the things we need to understand is emotions. Addictions are often the way in which a person learns to avoid their emotions and their feelings. They just anesthetize them and set them aside as if they're somehow bad. 
See, that's what happens when we're uncomfortable talking about our emotions or uncomfortable with the fact that life can really be painful and hard and we can cry or we can laugh or we can get angry and we somehow move away from all of that and we teach little children that there's something wrong if they're expressing their God-given emotions and we're really doing them a disservice because they need to be able to learn to be healthy on how we live our lives. And then we come across people who say, you know, I quit living when I was 12 years old. I quit feeling anything because I started drinking or using drugs. And all of a sudden, a person gets to a particular point in their life and they say, wow, I'm still a 12-year-old. I just never learned to deal with my emotions. Consider what happens if we don't mourn. We never heal. Give me a person who lost someone and never felt bad about it and never was able to express it. I can trust you. That person's got problems in their life and that stuff comes blurping up other times in our lives. Give me somebody who has seen things that has made them angry, but oh, they couldn't express their anger and I guarantee you that anger starts coming out in unhealthy ways. Hearing the point? God wants us to understand we are okay being human. We were created to be human. Unfortunately, people go into denial, and as I like to say, denial isn't a river in Egypt. It's an unfortunate way we live our lives. We bury our head in the sand. We bury our emotions. We think that somehow we're less than because we think that other people live a more perfect way as if it's more perfect to be imperfect because they somehow don't express their emotions or they don't express their feelings the same way. And then we put ourselves down and then we get embarrassed about it. Then we shove it aside. Then we get messed up. Then it comes into lots of different places in our life. I know a bit about mourning and grief. My mom died. It sucked. Okay? It was awful. My dad died. It was horrible. It was painful. And my brother died. My brother, who was an amazing guy and a doctor, and there's still days when I think I'd like to call mom, I'd like to call dad, or I'd like to call my brother Ralph. After my brother passed away, my sister-in-law, we were sitting around, and someone asked her, was it a good death? Do you know what she said? Death isn't good. It's painful. It hurts. It's not good stuff. You see, we know how to be happy, and we know that happy is good, but it's also only one of our emotions. We need to be able to deal with all that God has put into our life. We need to be able to be really ticked off when we see something that's wrong and be okay with the fact that we say, that really angers me. That really upsets me. Yeah, no kidding. It should upset you. It's wrong. There are things in our life that just need our emotions to respond. People beware when someone tries to get you to avoid your emotions. Beware when someone tries to get you to avoid your emotions. If we're supposed to avoid them, then why does Jesus tell us that we're blessed if we express them? If we're supposed to bury this stuff and act like it's not there, then why does Jesus say it's necessary? Learn to accept our emotions and to learn through them. You see, there are good things in life, and they're going to make us laugh, and that's good medicine. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, this isn't a sad sermon. This is a true message. Ha, ha, ha. Let's all laugh. Ha, ha, ha. Come on, laugh. Ha, 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 ha. Pastor Stan got me to laugh today. That's good. There are things that make us laugh. A silly pastor trying to get a congregation. That's pretty funny. If you don't think so, I think it's funny. I'll laugh about it. 
but they're things that make us cry or mourn. There are things in life that make us want to run away or put up a defense. That's why we need to learn to have healthy boundaries in our life. Remember, for God-given emotions. Fear is an emotion. We don't want to walk up to that lion who got out of the cage and hand him a little bit of dog food and say, here you go, kitty, 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 want something to eat? That's not called being emotionally intelligent. That's called being an idiot. And we don't want to be idiots. God wants us to be real, genuine people. And there are things that make us want to fight, to stop them or to change them. And we get ticked off and we say, it's not okay. That's good. You know, if it wasn't for a bunch of people here in the colonies getting really ticked off over taxes and and taxation without representation, we wouldn't be calling ourselves Americans. We would still all be Brits. But when we start to understand that God created us the way that he created us, we start seeing it is a good thing. Then what we discover is also not just what Jesus teaches about, but again what modern science tells us. When we can properly understand and accept our emotions as God-given, when we can realize that they are there for our benefit, we start having emotional intelligence. That's learning to accept our emotions in a healthy manner. A person who's emotionally intelligent becomes self-aware. Self-awareness becomes a necessary part of how we live our life. Because we realize what's going on with ourselves and we start realizing what's going on with other people. When we start living the way Jesus wants us to live, we also can have self-regulation. Remember the difference of what we were talking about with the addict and the alcoholic who wants to drown or squelch their emotions versus the person who's learned to have a healthy way of dealing with them. They can have self-recognition and could say, you know, this is a stressful day today. I just got to get through this or I got to use the tools in my tool belt and call somebody up on the phone and say, how do I make it through this because I don't like what's going on? We learn when we have emotional intelligence to have empathy, to care about another person because when we see someone else going through something, we realize how we've gone through those same kind of things and we care and we can put ourselves in somebody else's place. We start having motivation because, again, remember, a lot of our emotions motivate us to do something. And we start having good social skills. Now, if none of those are true in your life, I'm around tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock in the office. I'd like to meet with you. Hopefully, we're working on emotional intelligence. We're self-aware, self-regulatory, empathy, motivated, and having social skills. But I'm serious. If we aren't learning to healthily deal with our emotions and deal with our feelings, and we're feeling like, you know, I need to talk to somebody, call me. Talk to a lot of people and pray with a lot of people who struggle with things in their lives. And that's why Jesus talks about it. Blessed are those who mourn. God happy are those who mourn they will be comforted. Because you see, not only are emotions given to us by God, and not only do they need to be accepted, they can lead to spiritual growth. They, I'm not saying they will lead to spiritual growth, because if we, like, never deal with our emotions and bury them, we're not going to have spiritual growth. But when we learn to live the way God wants us to live, 
we can start growing spiritually. And those characteristics like emotional intelligence start being part of our life. The word that's used for comforted is a Greek word parakaleo. It's a compound word. Para means beside, and kaleo means call. We translate it because we see it as call beside. It means to draw someone close. Para kaleo. The way we comfort somebody is we draw them close. We either draw them close physically. That's why we'll talk about giving somebody an appropriate hug. Or sit with somebody to be close with them. Or we draw somebody close spiritually and emotionally as we listen to them and talk to them. Facing our emotions honestly, including mourning, Jesus says doesn't just draw us close to people, it draws us close to God. Because once we're finally able to deal with the real stuff in our life, we have to take it to God because we need to talk to him. And we discover that God is with there all the time. He's with us constantly. So if you're going through something and you're dealing with your emotions honestly, you're going to be able to see how God is in every single one of the things that you experience in life. That not only do you want people to draw close to you, not only do you have empathy to draw towards others, but Jesus says we'll get comfort from God. Because we can talk to him and know that he's with us and know that he's walking with us and he cares for you and he loves you and he's your savior and he's your redeemer. And when you go through something tough and your emotions are just like, wow, how am I going to get through this? We realize that we serve the one who not only, the scripture tells us, was tempted in all things and felt everything that we felt, but he gave himself on the cross and felt emotions and pain and anguish far beyond anything we can imagine. And therefore, he wants to draw us close, and he wants to be with us. That's why so many people have found in the Footprints poem. What happens during those tough times in our life? The guy's looking back down the beach, and he's only seeing one set of footprints, and he realizes he's being carried during that time, comforted, drawn close to God. I heard a pastor one time tell the story of hiking in the woods, and he had his little boy who said it was maybe a year old who was on a little backpack that they have, you know. And it started raining. And so he pulled his hood up and he pulled something over his son. And it started raining more and he pulled it over a little bit more. And all of a sudden it was windy and raining and thunder and lightning. And he was really getting concerned. And so he took the child and he pulled him up close and he just held him as he ran to safety and security. And he said he realized... What happens to us when we're experiencing mourning or grief or pain? That's what God wants to do to us. Parakaleo. Call us beside himself. Bring us in close to tenderly hold you and walk with you. That's why it's so important to have a deep spiritual life and the ability to talk to every day. Start each day talking to God. End each day talking to God. Because then what we discover that when the thunderstorms of life come, when we're going through something really awful or we're really upset about something or we're really joyful and happy about something, we start realizing God is with us, comforting us, drawing us close to himself, and we start growing deeper in our spiritual life because we see God not just as some force out there but as our friend who loves us and knows you more intimately than you know yourself. So with all emotions, be honest, draw close to God, and let him comfort you. Amen?
with everything that comes in life. That's why we are Faith Community Church, because we are a church family to support and love and help each other no matter what we're facing, to be the body of Christ, because Jesus himself said, realize that when you wonder, where am I? Just look at your brothers and sisters in Christ. They're the body of Christ. They're Jesus here for you, but also learn to be that for everyone else. Because there is inside of every single one of us a hole. And it's a God-sized hole. We aren't more spiritual if we don't have the reactions that we have. And we aren't better if we're different than what we are. But rather that God-sized hole exists in all of us. And that's why God created us for relationships. To get to know people. To struggle with those relationships as we learn to love and accept each other and work through tough times with each other, and draw close to each other during those times when our emotions just are raw, and to realize then that God comforts us. And we are happy, truly happy, not fake worldly happy, but real happy, genuine happy, God-given happy. When? When we can mourn. When we can laugh, when we can get angry, when can we can be afraid, when we can realize that that's all just part of our life and how we were created to be, and we can feel those feelings and get through them and transcend our emotions with God's help and use it all as an opportunity to be the best people that God wants us to be. Blessed are those who mourn, Jesus says. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I invite you, as we are reading through the Beatitudes, to take time each week. Matthew chapter 5, it's 13 verses. Just keep reading these. They're a different way to live our lives. It's very different than how the world would have us live. Our society gives us some really crazy messages, like pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Try it. You can't do it. I've tried. I can never get off the ground, no matter how hard I pull. Jesus tells us different than that. He tells us to learn to live life on life's terms and to realize that God is there for us and to realize a lot of the things that are messing up with our minds, we need to get rid of them. Read through the Beatitudes. They start setting us straight. We close our time with prayer, and so I'd like to invite Alona to lead us in our prayer time. But I invite you, please, be prayerful and thoughtful as we look at these Beatitudes. Because these are Jesus' teachings on how to find real happiness in life. Not the fake stuff that the world wants to give you, but the real, genuine happiness that God desires. Amen. Amen. At this time at Faith Community Church, we just take a moment for pause. Sometimes when things are poured into us, we just need that, that moment to let it fill in the holes, as Pastor Stan just said. Amen? Amen. So I welcome you just to pause for a moment, to take a deep breath. If you need to close your eyes, then do so. Ground and center yourself in this moment, in this place, surrounded by the army of Christ, your loving brothers and sisters who are in Christ, who are in this moment loving 
each and every one of us. Just take a moment and breathe. And that hole, that spot within each of us where we cry out, where we send out that SOS, that spot within every one of us, that spot or that place where there is that deep mourning, that longing, that hurt, the place where we lost our innocence, where we were broken. Christ says, still come to me and I will give you refuge. I will give you safety and shelter and love. I will cloak you with my armor. Take a moment to breathe into that spot. Because we are deeply and greatly loved by a Savior who walked amongst us, a Savior who felt every emotion and loved us unconditionally, that he gave his life and soul for each and every one of us that has walked, that is walking, and will walk this earth. And as we breathe, take one more breath in. Close your eyes. I'm just going to, to cover this room right now with prayer. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for waking each and every one of us up today and saying, arise, my child, arise. Thank you for this, this moment. Thank you for this lesson. Thank you for the scripture that you have poured into us so that at this moment in time, we can walk forward in our life and be changed. Knowing what we know now, hearing what we have heard filling in the holes in our lives that only you can fill. We give it all to you. We praise you. We glorify you. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's okay to mourn. As we end our service always, this is an open table. This is a welcoming, this is a, a spot where you are to come forward if you need to have prayer or be prayed over, or there's a situation in your life that you said, Lord, I just need to take it to you. I need to place it at your cross. As we sing our final hymn, you are welcome to come forward. You are welcome to bring forward your SOS so that we can pray for you and with you and over you because you are amongst those who love you deeply and greatly. I welcome each and every person to rise in body and spirit as we sing our closing hymn. And for those that would like to come forward, know that we are here to pray with you. Amen.